at SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. Okay, we are here now joined live in studio by the MD of MT Sports, Ms. Moira Tlachale. And I think, oh, good evening, ma'am, and thank you for joining us on SAFM. Good evening, Tabiso, and thank you very much for inviting me. And good evening to all the SAFM listeners. Thank you for joining us in studio. I was about to say you're the second guest we've ever had in studio since COVID hit, and the other one was Samuel all. I must say, for me, I need a drum roll. It's first time on radio. <laughs> drum roll! <laughs> well, it looks like you're ready, ready to handle it like a pro. Thank and you. For those who are wondering who our guest is, she is the founder of MMD, of MT Sports, and uh, she also looks after the business side of Coach Pizza Musimane, who is also her husband. I wanted to say you look after the affairs of Coach Pizza Musimane, but <laughs> the play of words is just not right. But thank you for being able to join us here in studio. We really appreciate it. And um, obviously, there's a lot to talk about, but what many people might not be aware is that you're a qualified quantity surveyor. And... QS is what they call it, and you did that for a while. Why did you go into that field? Um, maybe let me just reintroduce myself. Moira Tlachale, born and bred, Mafiking Township mm. in the Northwest. Studied uh, building surveying and then owners in quantity surveying at UCT. So I've got a company called MT, uh, TMTJ Consulting Houghton. For the past 17 years, I've been running this company. Uh, we are project managers, so I diverted from quantity surveying to doing project management in the build industry. Mm-hmm. So I have not left the industry. I run the two companies together. So, and then, you know, when the the economy went down, mm-hmm. I decided to focus my energy more on empty spot which really was established or started in 2012. But then I was only focusing on uh, Coach Pito's uh, matters, mm. um, primarily because I think at that time we felt that it might be seen as conflict, that I've got players and he's the coach, and save if he wants a player that I'm managing. So now that um, he has gone away from the country, I, found it, I find it easy to grow this much, much more bigger. Okay, so let's focus on these two companies. W- what is Empty Sports then about, and what's the vision for Empty Sports? So Empty Sport is a company that we call ourselves. We are not managing soccer players or 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 or, or coaches, but we we call it talent management company, mm. and we use the word talent deliberately to ensure that it covers all the talent in sports. So we could have a talent being a coach or technical team members or a talent being a a cricket player for that matter. So Mm -hmm. we did not want to limit ourselves only to soccer. And then um, also we have three divisions in empty spots. The first one is talent development, Mm. where we've seen a a market in the country that one of the key uh, challenges we have is development of uh, of of young kids in sports and in this instance our focus is more on soccer mm-hmm. um we have done researches in the office that went to look at why do your all blacks do so well the mm. why do 
Yo, Willem sisters do well. The they, Chicago Bulls? You didn't look at <laughs> Chicago Bulls? No. <laughs> and the, 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 the answer is very simple. It's, it's, it's really training children technique at a very young age. Mm. So one of the things that we want to look at is starting um, uh, the, the soccer schools oh, yes. uh, where we'll therefore start developing kids. So that is the one division. And then we've got a division called uh, talent develop, uh, talent identification and placement, and this is where we have we identify talent and we place them where it is necessary to place them. And I guess everybody just knows that Coach Bizo is that person. Yes, he is our flagship, mm. but we have other people in our stable, um, and some of them I am just putting them in my pocket for now. Mm. Are you able to share with us? No, not now. <laughs> you, I think people will know when they need the player. When the time the, is right. When the time is right. And then we have also the third division is talent manage, uh, talent management. Mm. It's really our social media where we help with branding and raising um, sponsorship for our talents or other businesses. Yeah. I can see the talent is already in studio here working hard on social media. Who is this talent that is here with us this evening? That's uh, my daughter. She's also employed in my company, Lilin Tlamusimani. Oh, wonderful. And then we've got Pumeza on the other side. She's the head of the talent management division. And they are very young folks, so the future is bright. And <laughs> and you mentioned soccer schools. I remember when we spoke to the coach at this vision of soccer schools also. Is that part of the vision, what you want to do with schools and soccer? Yes, absolutely that is, yes. And then uh, going back now to your other to your other job or your other mm. business, which you say you're still running, mm. you had a huge role to play in the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Some people might not be aware with regards to stadiums. What was your role there? Yeah, I was the leader of the local organization committee's technical team. Mm. Um, I was appointed with five other companies. Um, uh, the, it was me with the quantity surveying background and project management background. There was another company which was more two companies of architectural firms and one company civil structural engineer and then an electrical engineer. So our role in the World Cup as the LOC technical team was to really do three key things. One, to ensure that all the stadiums around the country were FIFA compliant in terms of design. Mm -hmm. So we had to go all over and make sure that, you know, the stadiums did what was required by FIFA. From the beginning? From the no beginning. Mm. From really a feasibility stage. Wow. That's where we started. And then also helped National Treasury come up with a budget and monitor the budgets that were given by National Treasury for the stadiums. Mm. Obviously, the budget went up to about 17 billion in the end, but it was really more not about a FIFA compliant stadium. It was more about the iconic stadiums that we had, which the municipalities funded them somehow. Mm. So we had a certain budget that we managed. And ultimately, and the last important one was to make sure that come the 2009 Confed Cup, the Confederations Cup stadiums, the four stadiums were ready. And mm. then the World Cup, the 10 stadiums were ready. So when did all this work start? This, the work started in 2005. Sure. And, and how was that experience uh, for you? Because you must have been very young at that time with lots of responsibility on your shoulders. Yeah, I was very young, I must say. Mm. Um, and I think young and naive, which helped, I must say. Uh, because I did not understand how daunting the task was. Mm. 
And um, one of the key things that I got to learn quickly, because the the board of the LOC obviously was made out of SAFA officials, the FIFA officials, government ministers, uh, business uh, business representatives, was that I became too technical and with with the tight type of group, we needed to be as simple as possible. But um, it was very difficult. At some point, I didn't think I would make it because I'll get a call at midnight to say, "Oh, the stadium in 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 PE, for example, this is happening. What is happening? Many calls." But how one got to be able to manage that was to even teach my board members the process of reporting mm-hmm. that we cannot when there is a question or somebody has called the minister, then there is a panic. And we introduced a six-week cycle reporting because stadiums are huge. Mm-hmm. You can't be reporting on them on a daily basis. So we found a rhythm which ultimately uh, worked. We had a robot where we gave stadiums uh, colors. Mm. If you were red, you are in danger of not. Uh-huh. And we had yellow, amber, and green. So the municipalities did not really like me much because I put <laughs> a lot of red in the beginning. <laughs> but what was so interesting is that the last meeting of the board, everybody was green. And we got that standing ovation. Wonderful. And the board told me that they did not believe that we could do it or I could do it. I was very young. Sure. And, and with a number of countries now around the continent having issues with stadium, uh, Ms. Moira, is that somewhere where you think you could assist? Because we're seeing some teams are coming to play in Orlando because the stadiums are not ready. Absolutely. I mean, we have... It's quite interesting, actually, that during the World Cup, our World Cup, there was a lot of German companies that came to South Africa to help us. Uh, during the um, World Cup in Brazil, mm. um, there were some of us who went, but, you know, it seems as if when it is us, the Africans, mm. after delivering the World Cup, and one of uh, one of my... I guess biggest challenge at that time was that nobody believed that South Africa was going to be successful in hosting. And now that we're, because people doubt us, and I guess even after delivering, people continue to doubt that we can help somewhere else. But we've tried uh, many times as South Africans to say, hey, we are here with experience. Those who are just joining us, we are speaking to the MD of Empty Sports, Ms. Mora Tlachale. Uh, she also looks after the business side of Coach Pizza Musimane, who is a husband, and she's got other clients, as she said. We welcome your voice notes to 0614104107. I can see the tweets are flooding on my TL here. You can also call us on 0117142006. Let's go straight to the lines. Uh, KG, KGM, good evening. Is that you? Yes, it is. Is this what it takes for you to call us, KGM? <laughs> I wonder when was the last time you called us. <laughs> and clearly you're not calling to talk to me, so go ahead, KGM. Yeah. Listen, um, there's a need for collaboration to correct what, what happened or could not happen in 2010. Remember that uh, we started to say it was an African World Cup. But today you have countries like Namibia and others coming to play their games here because they don't have the infrastructure. Now, you've been involved. Uh, I'm soliciting what, what would be a working relationship to assist our neighboring countries. Can, can we talk on this? Because it's necessary, not just for us as a country, 
but I think for us as a region, as SADC, but more so as the continent. So when, when Tabizo asked you that question in terms of, of the, the collaborations or the need for, for helping our neighbors, it, 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 it got me to pick up the phone and say, this is what I want to get involved in. So given an opportunity, can we collaborate? Thanks, KGM, for that call. Uh, it says there's a need to, to help our brothers and sisters on the continent here. Yes, um, quite interestingly, I have done work in Namibia. Um, mm. They called us to come and help them with what they wanted to call like a sports uh, sports club uh, for where their existing independent stadium is. And um, the reality with I- uh, stadiums is that they don't, they're not really more money-making sort mm-hmm. of um, capital projects. So you have to have other other projects around the stadiums that makes it commercially viable. That's point number one. Point number two is that um, some countries like Namibia, for example, I think the challenge we had there was the the the, the vision was there. It was quite na- was quite big, but then when we get to costs and you look at your return on investment, that may take much longer to be achieved, then that becomes a problem. But um, yes, I think there are ways of collaborating. I think there are many South Africans that have got a lot of experience from the World Cup that can assist. I mean, we did go to even Cote d'Ivoire. We went to, mm. um, I've been to Guinea-Conakry to offer services. It all, all boils down to um, the fact that most countries cannot really afford to build the infrastructure. Okay, thanks for that call, KGM. Let's go to the voice notes. Hi, good afternoon, Taviso and your guest. I just want to check uh, with regard to the partnership that uh, they they are intending to have with the village um, uh, agencies. Like in my case, I'm based in the village in Opo in a village called Kovakwani, and I do have an agency. Uh, also grooming young people from the age of 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, until 16. So, but you know, at, at the village, the challenge is it's sponsorship. Uh, we're struggling to get against sponsors. So I just want to check how do they assist such developments at those uh, local levels. Thank you so much. Evening, the member Tirade from Holland. Can you please uh, ask your guest the how do they go about in recruiting the coaches in their agents? Thanks. Uh, good evening, Tabiso Butinkong in the Eastern Cape. Tabiso, thank you for bringing in Moira Kahale, who happens to be Pizzo's uh, business manager. Uh, but can you ask on, a, on our behalf if things can go astray there at Al-Ali, will they consider perhaps coming back home and joining Orlando Pirates, my club? That's my only question. Thank you. And straight to the point, Butinkonki. Okay, we're going to get to that, Butinkonki. But let's just start with the first two. I think they were a bit similar. The one was about partnerships, uh, saying that they struggle to get sponsorship in the villages. And uh, Tulane was asking about how do you recruit uh, coaches to the stable? 
Yeah, um, I think the, the the issue of sponsorship, even ourselves here in, 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 in the cities, I would say it's still a huge problem. Um, so what we what we are all trying to do or our plan is more to get kids trained in schools by putting t- uh, coaches in schools you find in most schools especially in the schools that are dominated by our african kids that the teachers are the coaches so from our side is to put the coaches in the schools and see how we can uh, get those coaches um, uh, paid, even if at a minimum, because there are many ex-soccer players that want also to be coaches and for kids. So that is the one way. And for us, in terms of um, the next step, it would have been for the kids from grade 1 to grade 7. And then after grade 7, when you go to high school, we then go out and look for creme de la creme, because... What research has shown us is that kids get interested in soccer, but as soon as they hit um, teenage life, uh, these sometimes changes. So we wanted then to go and put them in a boarding school, and we are in discussions uh, for for a format like that, in a boarding school where you get creme de la creme kids and put them in a boarding school and they get fully sponsored because they have the, the... their talent so the reality is you know as empty spot we are also very young and starting uh, we see that our fruits that we are what that we are planting now will be more visible in the next five years or so and uh, so we are quite happy to collaborate with many people and many people want to collaborate with us also but it is just that we similarly do not have that access so we should all plead to those sponsors that want to um, uh, 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 support development to be there. And it has been difficult even for us to go in and, and, and interact with those sponsors, given what COVID has done, to be honest. I don't want to talk about the COVID issue as a cliche, but the reality is companies have cut down on a lot of things because of that. But I still believe that there are those opportunities. And the gentleman, I can talk to him in the in the village agency. He can contact our office because I know of one company mm. that wanted really their focus is to is for 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 kids in the rural places that I can um, introduce okay. him to. Yeah. We'll share his details. That's fine. Yeah. And then there was a question about Orlando Perez. But before we go there, um, the coach made headlines recently with the contract situation at Alakli. Was that tough? And what was the sticking point? So, um, you know, the, the issue was not about the contract. I think the issue was more about the noise started when the coach lost the Egypt Super Cup. Mm. And... Um, there became a lot of noise. So coach has got a two-year contract, which we started last year, October. We finished one year. We've got one more year to go. And uh, the club, Al-Akhli, has got no real challenges with the coach. I think the issue was just the noise that was going around that we needed to, to manage uh, ourselves. And hence, I took a trip to, to, to Egypt mm. to go and iron out certain things in the contract, dotting some I's and crossing some T's, mm. um, just to make sure that everybody's comfortable with us finishing the second year. 
unfortunately, you know, contracts in their nature are quite confidential, so I cannot really talk about that. But um, we're quite excited that we found each other and we are continuing with the contract as we have the contract. So what does, and what does the future hold for the coach then when his contract does expire? Well, um, Al-Akhli has indicated to us that they want to talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are still, we are very open with them to have a an extension of the contract. Um, uh, and obviously in negotiations, we might agree, we might not agree. Um, and the reality of the matter is if we don't agree, I guess people part ways. If you agree, then we continue. But there has been a clear um, uh, interest from them to say that they want to extend the contract. And we know the coach is ambitious. Would the coach be looking to come back home or looking abroad if, 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 if you don't find each other then when the contract expires? The coach will go to wherever that uh, at that point in time for, for, for us we deem um, correct. Mm. Yeah, so it is not that we are saying that we'll never come back home. This is home. Um, but I think t- to a certain extent, I just have a feeling that there are still more boundaries as Africans that we need to break. Mm. And I think we have achieved a lot here at home. And it is important that we look further to raise the flag of South Africa. But if we have to come back home very happy, to which team, I don't know. But there's still borders to be crossed at the moment. And how is it uh, managing someone like the coach? Because he seems to know what he wants. Um, it does not, not make your job a bit tougher. So um, what is quite interesting is the coach you see on the pitch and the coach who's not on the pitch are two different people. <laughs> I think the coach on the pitch, something just possesses him. He, he surprises me sometimes. Mm. So, no, the coach is very reasonable. He listens. He, he listens, to be honest, and mm. he argues his points. But we, we discuss, we agree, we disagree. And um, in the end, we, we, we come up to a conclusion of what is in the best interest, not only of the coach, really, of the team that is also with him. So it is not difficult at all now. Mm. And, and how are you in treated in negotiations, Ms. Moira? Because I remember when you were negotiating for a new contract at the coach's previous club, we did hear some murmuring that some people did not want to negotiate with a woman, for example. Uh, you know, um, I just want to say this, that you know, if we follow a lot of what is said on social media, and a lot of what is said on social media is lies. Mm. So that experience I didn't have. Mm. I mean, people don't know even the journey, which is another story for another day, or how the coach got to Al-Akhli. Um, there's not been anything like, like that in my negotiations. They were quite open. Um, the reality also that we have to be careful about is that my understanding, we're estimating Al-Akhli supporters to be in the region of about 70 million. Mm. When you look at the Twitter page of Al-Akhli, it's got about 3.5 million followers. I mean, if you do your math, it's about mm. 5% mm. Of, of the supporters. So what people write, I guess they have to write and create the hype about the writing. I mean, yesterday, for example, um, they were saying the coach is packing. Mm. So he was trending in Egypt that he's packing his bags, he's leaving. Oh. In the meantime, he was invited to the reporting of the president of Al-Akhli yesterday. 
Yes, where we saw they, that event. Yeah, yes. Where he showed him and the picture of how he succeeded in the mandate is set to make since 2017. Mm. And, you know, if you look at what Coach Bizo did last year, winning basically four of five out of the six. And when I say winning, I'm including the World Club Cup mm. bronze medal. What he did not achieve was the the leak. So how how does that one, how does that person pack his bags? I mean, and and just as we wrap up, a lot has happened since the departure of the coach from the previous club. Does that hurt, considering how he was treated by some fans when he returned here with Alakli for a game? Um. I think what happened was unfortunate. I just don't think those are the real Sundown supporters and really would like to leave it at that. We're quite comfortable. We respect my Melody Sundowns. They obviously gave Coach Bizzo a platform mm. when the national team uh, did not really have a lot of confidence in him. I mean, even if you can look at the stats of how he did when he was a national team coach how the national team was, where the national team was ranked in Africa and in the world, and versus how, again, the media and social media punted him as a useless coach. We're quite appreciative that Mamelodi Sundowns gave him that opportunity, and he did what he did best in, in like in super sports and at Mamelodi Sundowns. So no, we're not going to focus on those few. Mm. But how's support. how's the relationship with the former club now? Um, as normal as it should be as normal as it should be <laughs> we're gonna have to leave it there only because of time and only time is the enemy tonight so many people enjoying i just want to end with this message from gabby who says you have a heart of gold a very humble soul you gracefully welcome and assisted supporters when they were planning to honor the coach you've stepped in and organized the dignified send-off for Tulani at uh, the school soccer vision is something to look forward to and we wish you all the best and another one from Bruce says we've enjoyed this interview we only knew her as Peter Musimane's wife I didn't know that there was so much about her and she is her own woman in her own right and we wish her all the best with both companies that she is running we're gonna have to leave it there because of time thank you so much Thank you, and thank you for coming to studio. And thank you to you too, support team of MT Sports. We wish you all the best of luck. We're going to hand over to uh, Kimu Dupi, who's waiting with the news.